Welcome to Eye of the Swarm, Season 3, Episode 1 of your deep dive podcast into anything and everything related to Yellow Jacket Athletics. We have our sound engineer, Elliot Sweary, on hand. You're the big sound, Matt Johnson. I am John Garver. For those of you that are new, welcome to your uh, your first listening of Eye of the Swarm. It's, uh, like I mentioned, our third year of this. And Hoping to be the first year where we can get through the entire year. Years one and two were interrupted by COVID, one on the back end, one on the front end. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can have a full season, Matt. Well, I was about to say that uh, at least we're off to a, a quicker start this year. I mean, last year we didn't have our first, you know, the second year we didn't have our first podcast until when? Like October, I think. I think we're in October because nothing happened between. The, the month of September was so fluid. Yeah, you we know, with, with what. It, we didn't know what was going to happen. Right. Yeah. I mean, we you didn't know, have anything really to. Are we going to play? You yeah. know, are we are we going to be on campus? It right. Was, yep. it, even at the beginning of September, everything was so fluid our... and it was changing so frequently that nobody knew what was going on, and we didn't have our our uh, our state of the program with the AD Nick Bursick until sometime in October. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think our first one in season two was when we finally got a hockey schedule released. I think that was the first, wasn't that? The f- no, because we we did in the fall. We had we had Nick as the guest on the first one. Then we had Coach Fracker come in. Oh, that's shortly right, after she was, she was yeah, hired, yep, and those true. were those that's were right. in October. And then we went for a long break, right? And then we finally came and back. Then we and came then back we when we when we had a winter sports schedule finally. Yeah. So yeah. it was uh, it was a strange year. It yeah. was actually two strange years. And you know, I I was talking at soccer yesterday as we record this on a Thursday. We played two soccer matches yesterday. I was talking with uh, Ben Casper, the athletic trainer. And he, he kind of, you know, how, how are things going? And I was like, well, we're, we're back at it. Yep. And he said, yeah, it's, it's weird. It was because there's still, I think, some fatigue yeah. from the way last year unfolded, both in the fall semester with nothing happening to the spring semester with everything happening. Right, yep. And this, for some reason, the, the start of this year has had the, this – I know it's coming, but it snuck up on me effect because <laughs> we had all or nothing. It, well, it, 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 I feel like eight hours ago, I was at the 4th of July parade in Mercer, Wisconsin, and <laughs> now it's September 2nd. Right. Yeah. Where yeah. July and August just. Yeah. Well, it, it did. It, it, it felt went like so quickly. It feels so weird, too, to look at like my sheets, you know, and my notes for the podcast and just have like a page, like one single page. Because last year, of course, everything got smooshed together in the, or condensed, I guess would be the best way to put it, into like a two-month span where everybody was playing everything. Well, it was 17 it, seasons in, yeah. in basically three and a half months. Yeah. And I should use the word smooshed for my brain because that's how I felt. That was probably more. But the condensed schedule was really tough because it put so much extra pressure on people like you and me and the rest of your staff. And you know sports communications. It, it, it and put it pressure just, on everybody. Yeah, though. it did. I it, mean, it, it, it did. It it put pressure on coaches. Yep. It put pressure on athletes. Yep. You know, to yep. be, I think for the the winter sports and the spring sports a little less so, and I'm sure I'll be corrected on that, but right. a little less so. It was those fall sports who were being moved into the spring and were right. completely out of their element. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's there was a and the the, the randomness of having a soccer doubleheader and a baseball doubleheader happening at the same time. Yeah. You know, that things that you never had to experience before. We had a day where I think we had soccer doubleheader, baseball doubleheader, and then I think softball was supposed to play, but they might have gotten postponed that day. Probably. Yeah, because I, I think lost we had track all of the number three, of postponements. Yeah, all three of those venues 
at the NBC Spartan Sports Complex were in use by UW Superior teams right. and we couldn't get to it all. I mean, or the the randomness of having a women's basketball game and then four hours later having a volleyball match. Yeah, it was very strange. <laughs> in the same venue. I had never broadcast under those circumstances before. <laughs> that was a first for me. Um, usually when that happens, it's a playoff scenario where one team is starting their season and another team is maybe playing the playoffs. These are regular season games, yep. quote-unquote regular season games. So, yeah, it was really strange. I, You know, it was a year I hope never to repeat. Yeah, um, I'm with you. Because, I, you know, I talked to the coaches yesterday, uh, both of them, you know, before our broadcast, and I just said, you know what? I'm just really, really refreshed by the idea that we're playing fall sports in the fall. It just really makes me happy. Yeah. Like, I put it, a smile on my face. It's just like, this is the way it's supposed to be, and we haven't had the way it's supposed to be now for a good 18 months. So I was pretty happy just to – go to the stadium yesterday and see a couple of soccer games played in September. Right. Like that was really kind of um, above, above and beyond hoping the teams would win. Uh, that was kind of above and beyond my joy of yesterday was just the fact that, man, this is cool. We're, we're playing fall sports in the fall. And there's people here. And there's people here. There's yeah. people in the, in the building. Yeah. You know, and, and we're not having to, because it's an outdoor venue, you're not having to police distance Right, and police yeah. masking, you know, because we had to do a little bit of that in the spring. Yep, and, and make sure that they had their masks on, and now that mandate lifted, so it it, it made it for a little more of a natural experience. Yeah, people were free to free to come in and out. Yep, you know that was that was nice, and um, you know it was nice because uh, you know distancing wasn't as big of a factor, if at all. Right. Um, people weren't working walking on eggshells yesterday. I didn't feel like. I felt like everybody was really trying to enjoy themselves, and mm-hmm. we were able to just go to a couple of soccer games and enjoy it. Right. Without having to worry about it. oh my gosh on I mean, a beautiful day yeah on a great day for soccer yeah. it was fantastic I mean a little bit of wind involved but uh, that happens in Superior Wisconsin yeah, but I think it was worse on the field or better on the field than it was for us I think it, was it was less wind down there and it was a lot warmer yeah it was a and lot so warmer. I, I mean the, the conditions were perfect we had two good games to play too and two competitive games which was a nice way to start the season and, yep um, yeah I mean it, it was just I was kind of smiling ear to ear at a certain point. Um, and the broadcast actually went pretty well too. Day one is always, you're never quite sure how it's going to. That's always a knock on wood moment. You know, I mean, we had a couple of technical issues, um, but for the most part, I, you know, it was pretty smooth, you know, for the most part. And I know Mm -hmm. you guys didn't really have too many problems in sports communications either. I think it went pretty well. We had a couple little hiccups here and there, um, you know, and, and frankly, it's, these games are happening a week prior to classes even being in session. A lot of our right. staff isn't even here yet. Yeah. So we went through on a, with a skeleton crew. Yeah. And you know we things went all right. Need, yeah. Things went all right. Got so. what you needed to get done done. Yeah. So that's that's always a good thing. You know, so. before we go to dive in too far in though, how was the summer? Uh, summer we haven't was, done one of these for several months. Yeah. So. Um, summer was busy. I was working a couple different jobs. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I also work uh, part time at uh, Cashwise Liquor in Duluth. So if you feel like. Uh, Come up to visit me when I'm uh, on the clock up there. Feel free. Uh, I know uh, Karen Daniel, our uh, <laughs> our esteemed general manager, would appreciate the visit. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean it's. Uh, and I also worked uh, with the YMCA again during the summer, uh, uh, looking after the kiddos. Um, so it was busy, you know, but it was good. I, you know, it, I was kind of keeping an eye to see how things were going to shake out in the fall. That was the big kind of thing to see, like if we were going to have a normal schedule, if we were going to have a normal. Um, kind of segue from the spring season into the fall, and so far, knock on wood, we have. Um, you know, for me, I've been in contact, of course, with you. You and I talk not super often, but pretty often about what we're going to do during the during the fall season, and you know, twenty one, twenty two, for that matter. Um, you know, I had regular contact with UMD, um, so you know, it was a pretty normal 
um, I would say summer for me for the most part. Um, you know, it, I, there's still that COVID question at a certain point, but it was definitely more of a normal summer for me than before where everything, you know, previous summer, I just basically stopped. Like there was no communication from anybody on anything because nobody knew anything. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was pretty good. What about you, sir? Um, it was fast. You know, like I said, I, we have a golf or a 4th of July parade. And then the next thing you know, we're here. Right. And yeah. it, it, it went by really, really quickly, but it was, it, it was good. Um, I would have liked to have taken a little more actual vacation. Yeah. But with transitioning back into more normal, as right. you, yeah. as you said, um, administratively, there's a lot that had to go on, Yeah, you know, over the course of the summer. So. That, that, it, it, you know, that was, it's part of the deal. Yep. That said though, it was, it was good. There were highlights, yep. um, you know, that were, were fun. I mean, I, uh, I watched my, my son progress from a four wheeled bike to a three wheeled bike to a two wheeled bike. Oh, good for him. You know, it's a, not a true bike. It's a balanced bike, which okay. for people that aren't familiar, there's, there's no pedals on it. So it, it's a chance for them to learn their balance and, and be able to steer a little bit. And he was getting the hang of that, yeah. which is to the point now where he, he goes pretty good. He, you know, he, he makes dad kind of get on the toes a little bit to try to keep up. You know, when he starts getting down the sidewalk in front of our house, it, it has a little decline to it. Yeah, and I, I don't want to watch him go and topple over and, and deal with that. But that was that was a highlight. Okay. Um, you know, the uh, mid-July, I, my our family got together for the first time in, in over a year. I think I saw that on Facebook. I think yeah, we, yeah, we did a uh, – my, my sister brought her – her kids are older, and uh, she brought her kids up to hand them off to my mother, and they were going to grandma's for a few days. And uh, so we all just met in Cloquet, and it was the, the first time in, you know, well over a year right, yeah. that we had actually had the whole family together. And that was, that, that was really, really cool. I had that experience, too. Like yeah. We were able to get the, the Johnson clan together, Johnson Baum and my sister's case. case uh, and, and it felt and, weird. Yeah. It, it felt weird for, a few, you know, the first few minutes. It was like, wow, this is kind of strange. We're in a public place, and we're all together. And it was, it was strange at first, but... Uh, it, just, it was needed. Refreshing. It Again, was, it was a, needed. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, I hadn't seen my aunt, my dad's older sister, uh, for a long time. She's one of my favorite extended relatives. And she's, I mean, she's watched me and my sister, of course, come all the way up. And, you know, uh, my sister's case have kids. And um, so, I mean, I have some very fond memories of her. And she's getting into her upper 80s now. So it's getting to a point where, you know, the, as the old saying goes, there's more days behind than ahead. And, um, you know, it's every time I get a chance to see her, it just kind of makes me smile. But everybody in my family got vaccinated. So, like, we basically just said, okay, we're going to spend time. And uh, my mom's hip surgery went well. So now she's up and mobile and she can walk around without any problems. So, uh, yeah, it was just really nice to be able to get the the whole clan together. And, um, you know, they're going to be coming up here to visit me, I think, for Thanksgiving at least, perhaps Christmas. I don't know yet. But for definitely they're coming up for uh, Thanksgiving week in um, so it's, it's nice. I mean, being able to see my nephews, um, and my sister, my brother-in-law, um, but, uh, with my mom's surgery going well and my aunt now back in the fold, uh, cause she was going crazy. I mean, she'll tell you straight out, like COVID really took a toll on her because I mean, they were basically locked away from the world. Right. So, um, you yeah, become, been, you, I mean, some people became shut-ins yeah. because of it, you yeah. know? And I think some people are even trying to recover from that at a certain point, trying to kind of rejoin the world. Yeah. At a certain point, uh, you know, because I think the generalized anxiety level of everyone was pretty darn high. 
And uh, yeah, I think it's fair. Yeah, it's a fair assessment. You know, and I think it's still there mm-hmm. at a certain point. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was definitely a few steps back to normalcy. In my building, we have a cocktail hour now uh, every Saturday uh, at 4 o'clock on our terrace because we overlooked the Lester River, so that's nice. Um, and the year before, we didn't have that. So, I mean, just those little steps are, are, are important and be able to get out and kind of spend some time with uh, other human other human beings right. was, was, was nice. So, yeah, I, I found the, the summer to be just uh, very fulfilling in that regard. But it's over. It is over, and we're Technically, back. Technically, well, you know, by the letter of the law, it's not. We still have a couple weeks left until it officially becomes fall. But I think for, for people in our field, it's it's basically August 15, yeah. August 20, somewhere in that ballpark. Your summer comes to an end. And, uh, you know, for me, it's official when we have that, that first contest. And, again, recording on a Thursday. That was yesterday. Yeah, it was so yesterday. Let's, we had a couple let's take a, Let's take a look at it. We had a beautiful day here in Superior. We don't get to say that a lot in the fall. No. I'm hoping that we didn't use up our good day for fall sports yeah. already. Yeah, I'm hoping so, too. I you mean, know? the sun was out. We didn't have too many clouds. A little bit breezy, like I said, but not too bad. Uh, you know, and I, looking at the two games, I called them both. Um, I thought that, you know, it was pretty typical early season level of soccer. I, I thought that, uh, you know, both teams had good moments, and both teams had moments they need to improve on. Sure. So, pretty typical, mm-hmm. I would say. Uh, we'll start with men's soccer. Uh, began their season last night falling to Augsburg, a team that they see annually. 2-1 to one in overtime at the NBC Spartan Sports Complex. It was a game that was uh, pretty tight throughout. Um, Augsburg scored first. They let it 1-0 at the half, and then uh, uh, UWS came back, scored a nice goal on a free kick from Brandon Conklin, superior native. Um, to even it up at one, and then just 50 seconds in overtime. Uh, yeah, it didn't take long. Yeah, the Aggies uh, got the game winner. but uh, So they lose 2-1 to one in overtime. Uh, Peyton Anderson made the starting goal for the Yellow Jackets. He's been a kind of a career backup till now. Uh, senior from Red Wing, Minnesota. Uh, he made five saves and played well, I thought. Um, you know, And for, for people who are you know maybe new to it, who are unfamiliar, um, Oxford's good club. Yeah, they're traditionally they're a good club. Yeah, so it's you, club. you didn't you didn't lose to a team no. that you know there's there's no shame in that. It's not that's a bad that's loss. a good team. Yeah, it wasn't a bad loss. Um, Yellow Jackets weren't at full strength; they were missing a few guys um, who definitely would have made a difference. Yeah, who definitely would have made a difference. Uh, you know, Pros Bobby didn't play. Blake Hansen did not play either. Uh, those are two guys that are definitely leaders in what they're starters. Lemons. Yeah, they're starters. You're down two starters. You know, and Blake was a team captain last year. Protus is the second leading scorer coming back. Yep. Um, so, yeah, there's guys that, uh, you know, were not available yesterday that will be available later on. So, mm-hmm. kind of just a start to the season and uh, getting their feet wet a little bit. Uh, should be noted the Yellow Jackets were named preseason favorites in the annual UMAC coaches poll that was not a shock. On Tuesday. Yeah, not at all. Uh, if the Jackets go through with it, they're looking for their fifth uh, consecutive, by the way, tournament championship this year, and they'll be looking for their fourth straight regular season crown. And they haven't lost a conference match in four years three years yeah, it's four like years three or four years something yeah. like that yeah i don't so know it's no surprise gonna, that they were picked first i don't know if they're going to get up to where the women's basketball team went at that one point i think it was what was it 50 what was it 56 <sighs> in a row 56 something like that yeah, i'd have to 50s. go back and look yeah i have to go back and look it was something in the 50s mm-hmm. before they had their their streak snapped yep but the l jacket men yeah they're on a nice little run here and it's a double ron robin uh schedule format this year first time that that's happened since the yep. yellow jackets uh, joined the umac in uh, 2015 so this is going to be a little bit different yeah you're 14 conference games now yeah yeah instead of the uh typical eight that they played of course st Scholastic moving on so yep uh, but yeah it's 14 conference games this year otherwise it would have been seven so uh yeah it's gonna be a different look this year um and uh, like i said they're the conference favorites so we'll keep an eye on them it was, brandon conklin scored the goal last night and 
the bench exploded. Yeah. And I, I haven't seen that kind of a reaction. And I, do you know why? It, 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 it was, I think it was, it was, it was, I mean, it was an awesome reaction right, yeah. for, because it, it was late, it was at night, right? It's yep. a darker stadium and where they were was particularly dark where yeah. that goal was scored from. It's hard to see. So you put the binoculars up to try to find out who actually scored that goal. And then the whole bench empties right, and yeah. you've got this massive group of people down there celebrating this goal. I was like, Man, I can't even tell which guy got that. I think it was, but the reaction was incredible. I think it was because it didn't come from one of the guys that you would think. Uh, Brandon had a good game yesterday, by the way. I mm-hmm. thought he was one of the better players on the field for UWS. He had a couple of chances. He was very aggressive. He played well. Um, started in midfield. Uh, Yellow Jackets lost some key players in that spot, so uh, he's filling in. And I think it was just one of those situations because. If you've followed the program over the years, you've gotten kind of to the point where you expect goals from certain guys. You know, Blake Perry's back again. He scored 13 goals at nine assists last year. Um, but Brandon Conklin has not been a typical offensive producer for this team in terms of goals. And I think that the fact that he was able to score that free kick goal, especially with the loss of Miguel Ocampo, who was a great free kick taker for the Yellow Jackets over the years. Right. Um, you know, I, I think that just kind of gave everybody a, a big lift. Um, also, the games with Augsburg are always tough. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's a good team. Uh, the, you know, the, and the teams know each other well. You know, our former Yellow Jackets on the coaching staff at Augsburg, Jonah Garcia, who's a former team captain for Coach Joe Mooney. Um, so there, there's a fair amount of familiarity between those two teams. I mean, we played Augsburg, I think, just about every year that uh, I can remember under Coach Mooney. So, um, you know, there is a little bit of a rivalry there. Uh, it's not a nasty rivalry by any stretch of the imagination, but it's there. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that was just sort of in the moment, sure. one of those kind of celebrations. Um, uh, you know, and it's the first goal of the year. Right. And it, like I said, it came from a source that you don't necessarily associate with scoring goals. So True. it was nice to see Brandon okay. Conklin score that goal. Makes sense. And it was a well-struck ball. Yeah, it was. Yeah, you know, it I was. Mean, it was a good goal. Yeah, it was a really good goal. Yeah. I mean, fully earned. He didn't, you know. Oh, so all, all three of the goals that matched last night were, were good goals. Yeah, they were all good goals. None of them were, were cheapies. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I, I thought it was, and the atmosphere was good last night. I thought that the crowd was into it, mm-hmm. and, uh, so it was, it was good to be back yep. and, and see that kind of reaction. And uh, they got another home game coming up, so yep. Um, hopefully, we'll be able to, we'll talk more about that in the last segment, of course. But right. Yeah. Uh, also, women's soccer opened up the season yesterday. They lost uh, their season opener to a, a really good St. Mary's team, two nothing, um, at the MC Spartan Sports Complex. The Cardinals scored one goal in each half. Uh, freshman keeper Jenna Lang made eight saves in her Yellow Jacket debut, and uh, she's going to be a good one, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people are a little surprised that Morgan Philibert didn't get the start in goal. Um, you know, I don't think that there's any physical problems with Morgan that I'm aware of. Um, but she's the reigning UMAC Defensive Player of the Year coming off of last year. And I think that uh, it was a little bit surprising to see Jenna Lang, the freshman from uh, Lionel Lakes, Minnesota, get in there the first time. But um, she's going to be a good one. And they got well, a at the same good... time, though, I mean, and I don't want to speak for Coach DeGroat. Right. But yeah. you got a freshman coming in. Yeah. You've got a good match right off the off the hop yep. you, you know what you have in in Morgan Philber yep well, let, let's see yeah and let's I didn't see. like I mean she took part in warm-ups too I mean mm-hmm. both of them were warming ups you know in, in pregame warm-ups so mm-hmm. I don't think there was any physical problem no. there uh, I think and so I think more beneficial than anything else for the Yellow Jackets everybody played yeah everybody got in the game yesterday and uh you know she's got a a, a sizable roster this year she's got just about 2021 20, yeah they, players and she's got depth she's never had yep Exactly, and uh, there's a lot of quality there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's young quality, um, but uh, some of the freshmen looked pretty good, I thought. Um, 
you know, and and they actually generated a couple of chances that could have you know put a, a ball in the net against St. Mary. So, right. um, yeah, and, and she scheduled ambitiously this year. I mean, they played two exhibition games against Mayak teams, and they played uh, regular season opener against St. Mary's. That St. Mary's team is good. They definitely had the height advantage. Boy, were they tall and physical. they they wow. were and fast. They were tall. They were athletic. They yep. played physically, like you said. I mean, I, I wasn't expecting that. No. Well, I mean, I, I did at a certain point. Jordan Matthews, by the way, is a ball player, mm-hmm. and she assisted on their first goal. Uh, she was a first-team all-conference player for them in 2019. Yeah, uh, she scored 15 goals that year. So, I mean, she's the real deal. Yeah. Um, and I mean, they they have some nice players, especially on the wings. Uh, they have a couple of freshmen that looked really good. I think that that's a good good team that they played yesterday. And mm-hmm. so, there's no shame in losing two nothing. And to be honest with you, the Yellow Jackets moved a lot of players around. Uh, right. And they they tried some different uh, combinations yesterday. Uh, yeah, it's the first game of the year. But uh, that kind of competition is going to serve them well once they get in the conference no season. Doubt. And the reason why that's important is because for the first time in school history, they were named the conference uh, favorites in the UMAC coaches poll that was released uh, on Tuesday. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's there's some pressure there. There's a lot of expectation there. Uh, I think the players understand it. But, uh, you know, there's no reason for them not to go for, uh, you know, the conference crown and potentially an NCAA tournament bid because, uh, you know, they've got – they've this is the best collection of talent that they've had – Maybe ever. I don't know. It's right I, I think there. it's safe to say ever. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. I you mean, know, and it's not a slap in the face to anybody who played here prior, but I just, I think this is the, the most talented group yeah. in women's soccer that we've had here. You know, Nia Wilson is back. I mean, they return all 27 of their goals that they scored last year. So yep. that's, you know, and then they added some some pieces that could probably help open that up even a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, Anna Schusman is back. She's a two-time first-team all-conference. Yep. Rookie of the year back, uh, coach of the year, and, and coach to grow and defensive player. So yep. a lot of accolades last year, and uh, I would expect that the that they're going to win quite a few games this year. Yeah, with that, I'm, with that I'm looking forward to watching them. Yeah, It's going to be a fun year. Yeah, yeah. So those are the two games that we had, and then uh, more to come. More to uh, come. But, uh, the yeah, madness this is about we'll to begin. Yeah, we'll talk more about that uh, in our in our. Uh, uh, final segment, but uh, there were a couple other coaches' polls that were put out. Men's and women's cross country were the polls that were put out. Uh, men are predicted to uh, be conference champions this year. Uh, that poll came out, uh, I think it was last Thursday, I mm-hmm. want to say that one came out. And the women were picked to be second in the conference race. And that was, I think that poll came out the same day, didn't it? Yeah, they came at the same time. So um, those were the, that's the other news that we have. Women's volleyball, by the way, was picked to be third yep. in their coaches' poll. So that's the news what we got right now as far as what happened last week. But, uh, yeah, we're back with a full slate now coming up here in the next couple of weeks. And, yeah, it's going to uh, pick up here over the next couple of weeks, no doubt about yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. So We'll take a time out here, though, and when we come back, we'll be joined by the athletics director here at UW-Superior, Nick Bursick, and kind of get our state of the program and uh, get some of his thoughts as we move from hopefully the COVID-heavy calendar into what can be a normal or a more normal uh, athletic year. So we'll have that coming back right after this timeout. You are listening to Eye of the Swarm. Can I borrow the sports page? Are we sure we're ready for this expansion? Of course we're ready for it. It's a great idea. Let's celebrate with a vacation. I'm thinking (laughs) Hawaii. We're ready for you. Is it okay if my friend comes with? Of course. Imagination's always welcome here. Bring us your best ideas. Let's see how we can help. National Bank of Commerce. Imagination's welcome. (laughs) 
We're back on Eye of the Swarm, and as uh, has become tradition, our, our first episode of each year, we are joined by our esteemed director of athletics, Nick Bursick. And uh, we, we talked a lot in the open about the summer and how it was more normal than our summer was in 2020. And we also talked about how, I think the word we used was refreshing, yep. that as we record this on a Thursday, Yesterday, September 1st, we, we hosted two soccer matches. And from your your chair, from your office, did you feel that same sense of refreshment, normalcy, that, okay, um, fall sports are playing when they're supposed to be playing? Did you, did you feel that too, even if it's just for a split second, that, okay, this is how it's supposed to be? Because that's certainly how I felt yesterday. Oh, yeah, and I'll start by saying thanks for having me on. I'm excited <laughs> to kick off another year with you guys. We uh, survived. We survived. Yeah, we got yes. through it all. Yes. Um, yeah, I would definitely say that was the case. Um, even when our kids moved back to campus and we went through eligibility meetings, that's when it first kind of hit me like, yeah, we're finally here. We're, we're to a point where we're going to have traditional seasons. We're going to have traditional championships, uh, both from a conference perspective and an NCAA perspective. Um, and it was so great to see some of our kids move in and, and have that excitement, have that joy back in their lives uh, and know, you know, what's ahead. So, yeah, we're, we're excited for it. And to see our fall sports competing in the fall, that's step one. And it's a good step for us to have. You mentioned the championships, and I, I guess I was remiss to mention that. Like a year ago, there there was no NCAA tournament for the fall sports. There wasn't any for the the winter sports. And I guess that kind of signaled the return to normalcy when they came out and said over the summer, make no mistake, we are going to have tournaments. We they may look different. They they may be reduced in size based on COVID and everything, but we're we're doing this. And that kind of signaled the return, didn't it? It did, yeah. And that kind of gave us the direction to go forward of you know, we need to expect and prepare for a normal season with the ability to potentially get into an NCAA tournament. And and I will say, if we even go back to last year, I would say the UMAC was more on the forefront of trying to find safely ways to provide all student-athletes with opportunities. Uh, and that's why we had our fall sports compete in the spring. Um, but to know that we were already headed on that path as a conference and as an institution and then to have the support from the NCA of saying, yeah, this is going to happen and this is, you know, it may look different and there will be guidelines in place that the membership will have to follow. But, um, yeah, having that indication early in the summer kind of motivated us this summer to make sure, yeah, we were ready. And uh, from a scheduling standpoint, from an experience, a training standpoint that we were putting or that we were going to put our student-athletes in a position to have those opportunities. You mentioned guidelines, and the pandemic is not over. Uh, COVID has not disappeared. So there are still guidelines and protocols that have to be followed. And so talk a little bit about that. What, as a university, what, as a department, are we going to be doing to, to make sure that we are able to compete but are still keeping people safe. Yeah, and that's a great point. COVID hasn't left our lives, um, and very much so. 
off of the latest surge, it is still here and still prevailing in our community. Uh, it's something we have to keep on the forefront of our minds, too. And the health and safety of our student-athletes, our staff, our university, our campus community still needs to remain our top priority. Uh, but we do feel like we learned a lot from this past year that we know how to safely conduct activity uh, and help minimize exposure and minimize the threat of COVID uh, within our department and within our operations. So as we prepared this summer, and again, we got the indication that, yeah, we're going to have championship access. We're going to be in more of our traditional format. Uh, it focused us on assessing, okay, what are the health and safety uh, measures we need to have in place for this upcoming year. Uh, and a lot of that work is collaborative work, both within our conference, but within our region, and then also at the national level with the NCA, uh, and ensuring that whatever guidelines we set out to put in place are also followed by our conference peers, our regional peers. From a scheduling standpoint, you want to make sure your opponents are following similar protocols, and that everything then eventually aligns to what the NCA is recommending. Because uh, if our goal is to get into NCA championships, uh, it's best for us to follow their guidelines from from the start. So that that's the process we've went through and the mindset we kind of had this summer of we got to find a way to do this. We got to continue to prioritize the health and safety. And in the end, we ultimately came to following the NCA's guidelines, which uh, a lot, if you look at the region that we're in, it's what a lot of conferences and a lot of institutions are doing. So uh, we're, we're going to do that as well. Uh, again, the NCA guidelines are ultimately the guidelines and expectations once you get to championship play. So we might as well just do it from the start. All of that said, though, there still is autonomy for institutions to determine what all that is going to look like. And guidelines are, are, they mean different things to different schools. So even within the conference, there are differing views on how all this should be done, aren't there? There are. And, and even for us, you know, there could be times in which we're working, where we are working with Douglas County and, and public health and our state agencies in which we may be administer different health and safety protocols that we maybe even have to increase our testing threshold or increase our masking or, or other policies that we have to adhere to. So there's always going to be that level of autonomy, uh, both within our conference, but also institutionally. Um, but it's something we got to keep on the radar. Well, and six of our eight members are actually private schools. So it, it becomes different as well because private schools operate on a different level in terms of their autonomy in public schools. I mean, it's different for us than it is, you know, for us and Morris than it would be, for instance, like Bethany Lutheran or Martin Luther or some of the other private schools like Northland, um, you know, North Central. I mean, these are private entities or they're recognized as private entities legally so they can kind of make up their own minds as well. So it must be somewhat challenging to try to figure out something that everybody can kind of adhere to in that regard. I mean, how much has that become uh, something that you've considered as we moved on here with the with the protocols for this year. Yeah, that's that's the unique position we're in um, as we're a system school. We're part of the UW system, so uh, we also have to adhere to any system policies or what our UW peers are doing as well. So we have to kind of balance the baseline of what system requires, what Douglas County requires, what the state requires, and also what our UMAC peers uh, expect out of us as a core member to the UMAC. So. It's kind of a juggling task, not to lie. Um, it, it can get convoluted and it can get complex really quick. But I think we we are fortunate to be in a conference where a lot of the member institutions want to find ways to support each other. Uh, I think collegiality is a big part of at least the 
admin council within the UMAC and the president's council as well to find ways to put our student athletes in a position to go compete and compete safely. Um, so I, I think we've kept that uh, mantra moving forward from last year, and it's paving the way for us to go out and compete uh, this year. But it is complex, and uh, anytime you have different you know, opinions or different capabilities based off of your institution, your state requirements, county requirements, it adds a whole new layer. But uh, again, we're fortunate to be in a good position within the UMAC um, to have peers that want to work with us to to do what we can to, to move forward. It gets even more granular in your own department because you have your hockey teams that are in a different conference yeah. and yep. could have an even different set of rules. <laughs> yeah, that's where those layers come <laughs> into place. And uh, yeah, it's it's a juggling track. But, um, you know, we're, we're again, we're fortunate enough to have good regional peers that um, see the value that we provide from an athletic standpoint, want to compete against us, want to play us. Uh, so they're understanding what our needs are. And, and likewise, we're understanding what their needs are, and we try to find a way to move forward. Competitively, you know, this is – the university and the department's in a position where this this could be a really special year. I think so. We, we've got yeah. some really strong athletic programs, and it's, it's, it's coming to the fore just with the preseason polls where you're seeing these teams being picked right off the hop as, as conference favorites. Yeah, they're, they're, We're in a position here, I think, to have a pretty special year, aren't we? Oh, yeah. I, th- I think this is going to be a remarkable year for us, and it'll be exciting. You know, at the end of the day, preseason polls are preseason polls, and it's about working the process. But ultimately, to me, it comes back to our commitment that we make to our student-athletes is helping them become champions, uh, and champions in their sport, champions in their life, champions in academics. Um, and I think some of those preseason polls that do come out and when we do get favored, um, whether it's first or second or third, whatever you may have it, uh, it to me it's also an indication of what uh, our opponents think of us too and uh, that respect that they have for us from a competitive standpoint. But, yeah, I, I'm excited for our fall sports, but I'm equally excited for winter and spring. I, th- I think we have some tremendous growth opportunities there as well. And uh, at the end of the day, um, I, I could see all of our teams competing for championships this year. We're going to need another trophy case then. <laughs> We're running out of space in the ones that we do those have. Are, Great problem to have. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, <laughs> if you look at it objectively, even in this, you know, as as condensed and stressful as it was in this in the spring of having both the spring and the fall sports playing at the same time. I mean, you had some really impressive performances by teams. I mean, men's soccer continued to roll along. Women's soccer going to their second uh, UMAC tur- tournament championship in three years. Um, you know, men's tennis was right on the forefront again. They went to the uh, to the UMAC tournament uh, championship game against St. Scholastica. Then you had men's golf again going to the NCAA meet. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that happened. Softball, you know, going to the NCAA tournament. So there was a lot of really cool stuff that happened. And I think, you know, looking at the achievements of the teams – during the spring that made it that much easier even though it was stressful for all of us all the teams really like they performed well and mm-hmm. and we're just kind of hoping i think as a broadcasting standpoint and we're thinking that uh, you know you can carry that over because that wasn't that long ago and a lot of those athletes are back so yeah it's going to make for uh, i think a fun year and the men's hockey kind of kicking it off with their conference t- uh, championship so um yeah it was a fun it was a fun ride and like you said john i think the you know kind of could be a really special year, hopefully, and uh, there could be a, a big trophy case uh, needed in the future, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. That's a good problem to have. But, yeah, we're, we're excited. I'm also excited to see some of our new incoming student-athletes compete. 
Uh, I know all of our coaches think very highly of their recruiting classes too and feel like we got some difference makers as well that are only going to complement our current student athletes and help push that needle in some of our sports too. So yeah, it should be a, a fun and exciting year for us. You use the phrase developing champions. Let's let's dive into that a little bit because some of that is is about putting tools and resources in the hands of these student athletes and and one of the things that happened this summer you uh for the first time here we hired a full-time strength and conditioning coach so talk about that a little bit yeah yeah it's it's a great hire for us and, and a great investment uh into our student athletes and uh our head strength coach bj petrowski he's, he's going to do a phenomenal job uh great background great experiences um but yeah that's kind of always been a void that we've uh had within our department um Kudos to our coaches. We, we've always tried to find a way to provide that support to our student athletes, but now we have uh, a true strength coach who can provide more of that support and lead some of our student athletes in workouts. Um, when we look at the development of our kids um, and making that commitment to help them become champions, strength training is often the biggest opportunity, right? We know our coaches can do really well X's and O's from a sports standpoint, but if we can complement that in helping them be stronger, faster, more flexible, move better laterally, you know, those are things that are just going to aid in their performance. Um, so it's, it's a great investment for us. Um, I think PJ is going to do a tremendous job and uh, excited to see the development that that occurs over time uh, of where it repositions us or helps enhance the experience for our student athletes. Well, I know the feedback even from just the first couple of weeks of PJ working with the teams has been, wow, this is this has been a really good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, traditionally over the years, in the, the, the SAC surveys that come back, you see we have a nice weight room. Too bad we don't use it. Well, now you have that that vehicle with that person who can m- utilize that space to the to them the best of its ability. Yeah, and you know, I will say, and I've found this perhaps makes us a little bit more unique, but we're very intentional about hearing from our student athletes of what opportunities we have to strengthen their experience. And strength training has always been one in my tenure here uh, that they have always said they could use some additional support. Um, And we were fortunate to make an investment, uh, what, four years ago in adding a athletic weight room uh, or recreating the old weight room. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, But it's a great training space for our kids. And now we we have a coach that can help lead them in in that activity as well. So it's a continued investment we're going to continue to make and continue to grow in. Um, But it should be one that helps us fulfill our mission and helping our kids become champions. That plays a role in injury prevention. Um, Also, though, injuries will happen another athletic trainer added so now you're up to four and that's significant too it is significant yeah and we're very fortunate to have great partners in essential health and our not only our athletic trainers but our team physicians and that overall commitment that they have of helping make sure we have some of the best medical uh, staff available to our student athletes and by having a fourth trainer now we'll, we'll have the coverage where more of our teams and more of our student athletes can build those relationships with the trainers and we can do more of the preventative care. Um, injuries do happen, but now all of our student athletes will uh, essentially kind of have a lead trainer for them to go to that they'll see at practices more, that they'll see uh, obviously on games, uh, including some away competition now as well. So it's a good investment for us. Uh, it's just going to help us from a performance standpoint, but also the injury prevention. The the higher that I think probably drew the the most headlines was, you know, new baseball coach T.J. Oaks coming in. And that was 
that was one where people said, oh. Yep. They they hired TJ Oaks. They hired yeah. a name. <laughs> yep. They, they got a name in in the the baseball world. Yep. Especially to, in the to take over class. to take yeah. over that program, yep. and that's a, that's a significant hire. Yeah, TJ's going to do a tremendous job, and in he's so well versed in obviously the baseball side. He comes from a very uh, baseball centric family, um, and he's had a great tenure uh, prior to coming to us as well, both as an athlete and a player himself, but then also his coaching tenure um, at various places as well. So we're excited for TJ. He's going to do a a great job leading that program and uh, helping that program take next steps as well. Um, He's a tremendous recruiter, um, and I'm sure he'll he'll just aid in the development of our current guys um, while also bringing in some top quality student athletes as well. And as you guys know, the baseball program is near and dear to my heart. I played in the program, briefly coached the program for a few years too. So um, I, I, I have full confidence in TJ in terms of taking our program to the next level and seeing them compete for championships as well. Uh, he's probably one of the more higher profile hires that we've had in terms of name recognition. Well, yeah, because you, yeah, you, you, you mentioned his family, the lineage yeah. that he comes from, and you you being a, a Minnesota University of Minnesota person. Yeah, you know, uh, you're he, very familiar with. The I'm lineage. very familiar with TJ and his background. Um, you know, his father Todd was the pitching coach at the University of Minnesota under John Anderson, who was a Hall of Fame, of course, baseball coach. Um, been coaching there, I geez, like he feels like forever. I, it's got to be close to 50 years. Yeah, it's getting up. The, it's getting pretty close. Probably. Yeah. yeah, he's in the top 10 all-time wins in college baseball history at the Division One level. And Todd Oaks, TJ's father, uh, was his pitching coach for many of those years. Uh, Todd Oaks was considered uh, one of the best uh, pitching coaches in the country for a while. Um, and TJ was a Gopher pitcher. He was an All-Conference player there. Uh, he got drafted. Uh, I, and I can't remember what organization he Colorado. played. Colorado. Colorado was it the Rockies? Okay, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, he comes from a background that is well known in baseball circles, and I think Nick knows that. I know that, um, and I watched TJ pitch in college, so this is kind of a cool thing to see him come full circle now and be a head coach. Uh, he had been an assistant at St. Mary's. I got a chance to talk with him. Uh, St. Mary's went to the NCAA tournament last year, so uh, he has a winning background there as well. Um, and like I said, his father, who uh, you know. You know, rest in peace uh, to Todd Oaks because he uh, he died of cancer a few years ago, um, and you know I haven't had a chance to talk to TJ. It kind of made headlines when Todd died, though, and uh, so it kind of went around you know baseball circles, and, and it was a big loss. He was mourned by quite a bit of people, um, but yeah, TJ comes from an impeccable background, as far as I can tell. Uh, you know, and so when he got hired, I was I kind of did a double take, and then I kind of looked at the bio, and I wanted to make sure that it was T.J. Oaks. The same one. <laughs> the same T.J. Oaks that I had watched and the son of Todd Oaks. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what he does, too, because his background is in pitching. And, um, you know, pitching is an area that, that, you know, has typically been an area of struggle sometimes for the baseball program. So it'll be interesting to see. And I've actually already talked to T.J. about that a little bit. So he's he's uh, he's kind of full in on that, and he understands that. And uh, looking forward to getting him on the podcast because uh, – uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's, like I said, he's a big name hire for sure. Yeah, I, I, he, uh, it, it made people kind of, I think, stand up and take notice. And the reception we saw on social media, interestingly, had very little to do with baseball. Mm-hmm. It was always the in- incredible human being that you hired. Mm-hmm. And I think we haven't had a chance, obviously, to see anything baseball-wise outside of it. Seems like he has a recruit on campus every day, but the just the interactions as a human being. I mean, the, the the phrase you know, great player, better person. I think is overused. I don't think it's overused with him. 
information that I agree. And very early on in, in our search process, that's the one thing that stood out to us the most in, in terms of TJ and his credentials and who he is. And he equally shares the same mindset that we all do as as our department of having that larger commitment to our student athletes. And I'm very confident in what TJ can do from a coaching standpoint and a baseball standpoint, but he's going to make the difference in a lot of student athletes' lives uh, that's going to go beyond the baseball field. And and that's what I'm most excited for. But, um, yeah, T, he's going to hit the ground running, and I'm sure you guys will have him on at some point too, and uh, you'll be able to pick his brain a little bit. But, yeah, he's a great hire and a great addition to our staff. He made me want to play for him. Like in the, when he was making his presentation, I, I he made me want to play for him. <laughs> and that's how I judged that he was my pick. You know, because I just I felt like coming out of that one. Wow, he yeah, he he makes me want to be here. He makes mm-hmm. me want to play ball. Yeah. And if he does that to me as a forty-seven-year-old guy who hasn't seen live pitching in nearly three decades, it it can only imagine what he's going to make an up-and-coming baseball player entering college want to want to want to do and want to feel like. Oh yeah, I again he he's a tremendous individual and. Uh, he'll be able to motivate you, and I know uh, I'm excited for him to get a chance to meet some of his guys because uh, a lot of them were gone this summer too, and um, they're slowly trickling in, but um, give it another week or two when all of them are back for the semester. And TJ will take time to you know build those relationships and, and uh, kind of see the coach that they get to play for now, and, and I think they'll be happy with it. I feel like a lot is moving in the right direction here. Yeah. And a nugget that came out during the – the opening day ceremony that we have on campus where we get sort of the state of the university from all the administrators. The nugget that came out was new facility. And this is something that has been, that has plagued. Maybe that's not the right word, no. but it's, it's something that I think has been at the forefront for a number of our programs, because as we were going through the process, I said to you in the, the 11 years, now 12 that I've been in this position We've played soccer at nine different fields, mm-hmm. and that that just really yeah. a, a college program that's played at nine different fields over the last decade that that's unfathomable to me. And now there's finally all the legwork and all the efforts that have gone into it finally coming to a fruition when the chancellor announced that at the state level it's finally been approved that we're gonna we're gonna get a, a facility here. So. As much as you can, because I know not a lot of it has come out and not a lot of things have been decided. Talk about that because you want to talk about moving in the right right direction. This moves the needle a lot. Yeah, yeah. Facilities has been, or outdoor facilities, has been uh, a limitation for us in the the past. There's no way of getting around it. And we have been fortunate enough to have the partnership that we have had and, and kind of formed in the past several years with this Superior School District uh, and, you know, joining in and playing on those facilities as well and they're great turf um state-of-the-art what's what a 10 million dollar complex that they have so we've been fortunate to uh share those facilities with them but we've had to share them and and oftentimes that means uh we're presented with scheduling difficulties and uh limitations in our use um and four hours between soccer games yeah (laughs) some some breaks in games yeah so it's it's presented us some challenges um nonetheless and uh 
thankful to our chancellor and her support. Uh, we were able to advocate for our student athletes and, and our, some of our programs in particular and uh, push forward uh, to receive funding for a new soccer and outdoor track, um, which will be a big investment for us as an institution, but also benefit us both from an academic standpoint and expanding the uh, offerings that health and human performance can do uh, in that facility, but then the co-curricular side and, and us being a big part of that too, but equally excited what it means to our general students and intramurals and uh, campus recreation, getting flag football back and, you know, some of those opportunities that um, we just aren't able to do as an institution because we don't have the field. So uh, we're excited about it. Uh, we don't have much squared away just yet uh, outside of uh, the project is fully funded at this point too so uh, it will happen we uh, will try and push as quickly as we can to make it happen as soon as possible uh, but we want to do it right too we get one crack at this and we want to make sure we put that down the right turf we put down the right track and uh, we have the amenities surrounding it that leverages its location and, and everything else too but we're excited about that and hopefully this is phase one of other things to come that that can benefit us both as an institution but also within athletics yeah because it, it does cure the ills of a couple of programs but obviously there are still are others and it was in the uh, the public part of the the, the whole uh, study on what we needed here is you you've got other programs that still need to find a home too we do, yeah, and we have uh, other facilities that are uh, also in need of updates as well, too. So hopefully this is phase one of multiple phases that we can continue to build off of. But uh, again, we go back. I go back to thanking the chancellor for her support um, and her advocacy at a state and a system level, and then our counterparts, too, from system and, and all the way up to President Thompson, really seeing the need and seeing the void that we have as the far most north institution without a turf facility uh, and just the impact our student athletes have on our enrollment and, and everything else that uh, it's a good investment for us. But uh, again, the field is, is going to be a tremendous asset to the entire institution from an academic side to a co-curricular side. But hopefully this is the momentum we need to continue moving forward uh, to benefit all of our teams. The students were, were vocal in, in that and they were they, they played an important role in that process because they, they, they spoke out at listening sessions. They came to all of those different sessions. When the Board of Regents were here, they had the opportunity to, to talk to those people. How important was it for those people to hear firsthand from student-athletes what this would mean? Uh, it was vital. Um, I, I honestly don't think we would have made as a compelling as cases we did without the student voice. Um, and again, I, I go back, I mentioned it earlier, I do think we are very intentional about listening to our student athletes uh, and listening to what opportunities that they see um, that can enhance their experience, can enhance their performance. And for a long time, even when I was a student athlete here, uh, facilities were, were always a big part of it, uh, of that being a limitation on programs. Um, so we, we've been thankful to have that feedback, have that student voice be a part of it, because ultimately it's probably one of the biggest drivers of why the field got funded uh, and why we may see other changes or, or other improvements happening in the future as well. 
There's no doubt we could probably sit here and talk for an hour, but uh, you're a busy guy. So we'll go ahead and let you go and uh, know that we're probably going to do this again in January. I look forward to it. (laughs) Nick Bursick, Director of Athletics, thanks for stopping by. We'll take a break. We'll come back and wrap up Episode 1 of Season 3 of Eye of the Swarm right after this. Orkers Island Inn is now hiring, and there's a position just for you. Apply for front desk, housekeeper, bartender, server, cook, and dishwasher. We're hiring great people like you. Call or click for more information and apply today. We're back. Final segment of episode one, season three, Eye of the Swarm, and another good conversation with the director of athletics. And, you know, I, I'm obviously biased, right. you know, because I... I I'm an alum and I, I work here now, but I don't remember ever having this much positivity yeah. surrounding the athletic programs here and all the good things that are happening. I mean, I, 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 yeah, I've said many times it's a great day to be a Yellow Jacket, right? Yeah. But right now it is an awesome time to be a Yellow Jacket. There yeah. is good stuff happening here at a time when a lot of schools can't say the same thing, right? Yeah. You know, there's a lot of schools moving in the opposite direction. Heck, there's programs schools closing. Yeah. You know, yeah. you see it all the time of this school is closing. This is universities merging with another one. Right. Cutting programs. Cutting programs, you yeah. know, and it's it, it's not just at our level. I mean, all the way up. We talked about it last year when Stanford yep. went and cut 11 sports. 11 sports. They brought some of those back. They but, brought some back. But at the yeah. time, they cut 11 sports. You know, and we're not having those conversations. Right. We're, yeah. we're adding staff. We are building a facility. I mean, it's, there's, yeah. it's a great time to be here. It is. I You know, the... I think the nugget that, for me, um, is the most exciting is going to be the stadium and the field. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whenever that project gets finally done, um, but now we're full speed ahead. Um, it's going to be a great thing for the track programs, the soccer programs, um, and just for the campus community. Yep, it's going to be out to, the community in general. Yeah, I mean it's it's going to be fantastic just to be able to have a stadium back on campus. A, a viable stadium back mm-hmm. on campus we haven't had one of those since what 1989 yeah yeah so i mean it's going to be nice to to be able to have the entire kind of campus community be able to come together and go to a game now instead of having to get in cars and then drive up to the high school right you know find another parking place up there and then kind of juggle everything with the high school schedule because it is their stadium yep at the end of the day right you know it is their baseball field it is their softball field at the Correct. end of the day we have to juggle all that um, it'll be nice to take a step towards alleviating that. Uh, not that the high school facilities aren't great, because they are. Yeah, uh, I mean they're fantastic. But you know the 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 big thing that I heard right away when we started renting that space was, wouldn't it be great if we had something like this on campus? And now we're gonna. And now you're going to. Now we're going to have it. Now yeah. you're going to. And it's going to be fantastic. It's, it's going to be wonderful. You know, as a as a big supporter of the soccer programs and of course Glenn with his success with track and field and you know cross country. It's going to be great. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, and, and everybody should be really excited about it because when it gets done, I think it's going to be a beautiful project and everybody's going to be really excited with what they saw. Yeah, and I know they're, they're going through the whole process now of architects, consultants, and, you know, a lot of different – there's a lot of moving parts to all of that, obviously. But right. you, you get that chance to pick and choose those things you like about other venues, you know. Okay, we were at this stadium here and I really liked the way – the press box was laid out, or I really liked the kind of seating they had. Right, yeah. You get to take all those little things and put it together in your own. It's just, it's going to be a lot of fun to see all this come to fruition. It's going to be really fun, and yeah. uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what the final design and what the final product looks like. Um, and you and I, are, I think, are both are. Mm-hmm. 
because uh, you know we're going to be at that stadium a lot. Yes. <laughs> so it's. Yep, we are. Yeah. So it's uh, it's going to be a fun time for us, and it's going to be a fun time for the athletes as well. So. But in the meantime, we'll be at other places. Yes. So let's let's talk about that. As uh, things are starting to ramp up a little bit. Yeah, things are starting to ramp up a little bit. Not a. a, a Really heavy load of games this week, but uh, a, a few things on the schedule, so we'll get to those now. Um, men's soccer after that loss against the Augsburg to open up the season yesterday as we record this, of course, on a Thursday. They'll be back at home on Saturday taking a Concordia Moorhead, another Mayak opponent in a non-conference contest. That game's scheduled to start at 12 p.m. Um, uh, we won't have that one on the radio, but... Uh, I think the weather's supposed to be pretty good. So yeah, it looks can, like it's going to be all right again. Yeah, so if people uh, feel like going out there up to the NBC and watching the Yellow Jackets take on the Cobbers, uh, feel free because it's. Uh, I think we're, we're in store for a pretty nice weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll also be in action on Wednesday, a week from yesterday, taking on Bethel. That'll be a road game. That'll be 4 p.m., but that's what's coming up for them. I was talking with Nick a little bit about this this morning, and strange schedule this year because men's soccer, eight of their first ten are at home. Yeah. Women's soccer, seven of their first 10 are at home. And I've, I've never seen them that top-heavy with home games. Right. Or front-heavy, yeah. I should say, yeah. with, with home games. So it's they're getting a lot out of the way early at right. home. Yep. What I'm trying to say is if, if we got a nice weekend coming up, go do it now because right. it's right. going to get know chilly when, yeah. when they start coming back in October. Right, uh, exactly. Uh, speaking of home games, women's soccer is slated to have another one. They were supposed to be playing Lakeland on Sunday. That was supposed to be a 2 p.m. opening kick at NBC Spartan Sports Complex. Lakeland has had to pull out because of COVID. COVID protocols. Yeah, COVID protocols have stepped in and prevented the Muskies from coming up here. So now uh, they're going to be trying to fill that slot, however, with another game. So go to uwsyellowjackets.com to stay tuned to see who uh, that opponent may be here and what day it'll be on. It'll either be on Saturday or Sunday. They're trying to figure that out as we speak. But, uh, um, yeah, the game with Lakeland, unfortunately, has been canceled due to COVID protocols, and there will be another opponent named, I would guess, here within the next day or so. So, um, you know, like I said, uh, go to the website, the Athletics website, uwsyelljackets.com, and find out uh, just uh, who the Yellow Jackets will be playing. Yep. It will be a home game. That's what It will be. Yeah, it will be a home game. It will be a home game. So. Uh, go to the website for that. Volleyball opens up their season this week, tomorrow, uh, and also on Saturday at the um, uh, Central Grinnell Tournament. It's an interesting format down there um, for this particular tournament. Uh, Coach Lynn Diedrich and the Yellow Jackets will be taking on Dubuque and Simpson in Pella, Iowa. 6 p.m. and 8 p.m. the opening start or the, or the opening serves, respectively, in those two games. Then they'll get on a bus and head to Grinnell for the second half, and they'll be taking on the host Grinnell and Cornell on Saturday, 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. They won't have their first home match until this coming or a week from Friday, a week from tomorrow, taking on Northland College. That'll be a 3 p.m. opening serve over at the Mertz. But she's got a young roster. Yeah, yeah. She's a lot got a young roster this year. There's a lot of youth there. I think she has two seniors and three juniors yeah. on the roster this year. So there's a lot of youth, and uh, you know, frankly, some inexperience too, because even the the group that are sophomores, yeah, didn't get a full season. Yeah. So, you know, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what, what she's got this yeah, weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Men's and women's golf also open up their uh, seasons this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. The men are at the Augsburg Invitational, hosted by Augsburg at the Majestic Oaks Golf Club in Ham Lake, Minnesota. The Yellow Jackets will also participate in the UMAC Preview at Pebble Creek Golf Club in Becker on Monday. So it's a Saturday, Sunday, Monday affair. Uh, same with the women, by the way. They'll be playing in a different tournament, but uh, all, both teams are playing three straight days. Uh, the women were in action, or are going to be in action on Saturday and Sunday at the UW Oshkosh Titanfall Classic, hosted by Oshkosh at the Oshkosh uh, Country Club. Uh, action gets underway 1 p.m. for them on Saturday and 8.30 a.m., so bright and early on Sunday. And then they will join the men at the UMAC Preview on Monday at Pebble Creek Golf Club in Becker. So 
uh, three straight days of golf for them. Coach Eberhardt uh, uh, figuring out. I think he he's pretty happy with what he has. I know on the men's side, I think the women he figures are going to improve on last year as well. So. Uh, that's another one where there's a lot of new blood on that roster. Yeah. You know, he's got a yeah. young roster and a lot of, of first-year athletes playing women's golf, so I'm, I'm curious to see what they've got too. Right. Yeah, exactly. And then men's and women's cross-country is idle this week. They will be first in action at the Dan Conway slash UMAC preview a week from today at Magic Golf Club. We don't, do we have times on those races yet? I don't know off the top of my head what. what I don't think they were listed on the website. They're, they're yet. usually an afternoon race, like okay. a three, four o'clock somewhere in there. Yeah, they're usually like three and three forty-five or something. Because like they that. usually the high school runs after. Okay. So they uh, it's usually an afternoon race. Okay, but they uh, they're idle this weekend. They will get in action for the first time a week from today at the uh, UMAC Preview slash Dan Conway Classic over at the Magic Golf Club. So go to the website to find out exactly when uh, those races take place. But that's what's coming up this week. So not a full docket, but. Enough. We're, we're cranking up. Yep, we're start, we're starting to get we're there. We're cranking up, and I'll take this over where we were a year ago. Oh, yeah, any day of the week and <laughs> twice on Sunday, Mr. Garber. <laughs> Elliot Swery was our engineer here in the studio. He's the big sound, Matt Johnson. I am John Garber. Welcome to Season 3, and thank you for tuning in to I Am The Swing.